Let's pray. God, would you speak to us this morning through your word? There are so many voices that we hear day in and day out, and we need to hear from you. So, God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Meet us where we're at. Lead us to where you desire us to be. In your presence, where there is fullness of joy and pleasures evermore, we ask that your word would lead us there now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. I don't have a clever or engaging introduction this morning because I hope that the title of the sermon, The Exclusive Path to the Inclusive God, inclusive God is enough to pique your interest and to grab your, intention, grab your attention. Inclusion is a hot topic, especially in the evangelical church, is it not? Are we welcoming? Are we affirming? Are we accepting of all people? If you spend any time in the news or out in the culture, you know that this is a hot topic. We have the word evangelical right on our building, and the culture would say that evangelicals are not inclusive, they are not welcoming, they are not accepting of all people, at least culturally. If you talk to people on an individual level, you'll probably get a different story. But I think this is a fair and a good question. Is the evangelical church, are the people of God welcoming and accepting and affirming of all people? I believe that the passage that we're looking at today gives us a loud and resounding answer to this question. It's yes, absolutely. The evangelical church, the people of God are open, they're welcoming, they're accepting of all people. We see this in the story of Rahab. God welcomes he accepts a lying pagan prostitute from a minority culture. He includes her in his family. However, there is a condition. Rahab's acceptance is on God's terms, not her own. We see God's incredibly inclusive heart welcoming all people into his family on God's terms, not on Rahab's terms, or not on our own terms. This is the big idea this morning that I want to look at with the life of Rahab. That Rahab, we see the exclusive path to the inclusive God is through fear and faith. So God is inclusive. He is welcoming. He's, he's, he's accepting of all people if we come on the exclusive path to him. In the life of Rahab, we see this as fear and faith. Fear of God not man and circumstance. So when I say fear, it's this holy reverence, respect, or fear of God. Not man or people, and this is good news for us because most of us go through life, we, we fear what others will think about us, we fear the circumstances of our life, we fear what will happen if this happens, and we see life as a big series of domino, like a domino effect, and if this happens, then my life is going to fall apart in this way, or we fear what others will think of us or what others can take away from us. And so what we see in the life of Rahab, Rahab not Rehab, um, what we say, see in the life of Rahab, I'm probably going to do that time and time again now, what we see in her life is that she placed her fear in God. And at that point, she had freedom from what other people would think about her and what the human circumstances around her would say. And she placed her faith in God, not in self. I think for most of us, we, we tend to place faith in ourself, right? And, if, and we, we get worked into a frenzy because we're worried that either we're going to fail or we don't want to fail, and so we're working really hard. We either place our felt faith in ourselves, in others, in things, or in situations, and what we see in Rahab is that the exclusive path to the inclusive God is through fearing God and having faith in him. 
Let's look at it this morning, starting by talking about Rahab's fear. Rahab's fear was a holy fear of the powerful God who parted the Red Sea. She believed him, Yahweh, the one true God, to be the ultimate higher power. Look at verses 8 through 11 of Joshua chapter 2. So if you don't know the story, let me set the story for you a little bit. If those, for those of you who may not be familiar, God has just led his people, Israel, out of Egypt. They were in exile. They were, they were in captivity. They were as slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and God has now led them out into freedom, and he is leading them into the promised land, and they are approaching this city, Jericho, which God said, this is your city. God was going to give this city to his people, but there was this pagan nation, the Canaanites, living there, and so there's going to be this big battle and this big war, and so God sends spies into the land of Jericho to, to spy out the city. And here's, that's what we learn in Joshua chapter 2. They come to the city of Jericho. They go to Rahab's house, the prostitute. Rahab lived in the city wall, and often travelers would go to the prostitute's house. We don't need to talk about why they went to the prostitute's house, but they would often go to the prostitute's house. Um, you can figure out for yourselves why, why they would go there. Often there was a lot of information being traded there. But also, this is a pagan nation, a pagan culture, and we are people who are bent towards sin. And so, travelers would often go to the prostitute's house seeking the prostitute's service. Now, that's not why these spies went there. Okay, so they go there, and God is doing something supernatural. God is preparing Rahab's heart to receive these people. She is now fearing God. She's not an Israelite. Rahab is a Canaanite. Yahweh, the one true God, the God of the Israelites, is not Rahab's God. She's a polytheistic pagan. She worships many different gods. Her culture, her city worshiped many different gods. That was true of Rahab. But she's heard this story. She's heard a story about Yahweh, the one true God, parting the Red Sea for his people and leading them through on dry, dry ground. Let's look at it here in Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So as the story goes, the verses before this, she hid them on a roof. They came to her seeking a place to hide out. She hid them. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. She says, I, I've heard about the power that your God has. Our many gods, the gods that I grew up worshiping, they don't have that kind of power, nor do they have that kind of love, protection, and provision for their people. I've heard the story of Yahweh. I've heard how he fights for his people Israel. I heard how he led them out of Egypt. I heard how he parted the Red Sea so that you could walk through on dry ground and then how he collapsed the sea over the Egyptians so that they all drowned. I've heard of your God. He has a power unlike any other God. And so she had this holy fear of God building in her. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that fear of you has fallen upon us. Rahab is rightfully afraid of these men of Israel because their God is unlike any other God. He has a power that no other God has. And so she's saying, okay, I, I, I fear man and circumstance, but ultimately behind that fear was a fear of God who controls these men and the circumstances. Rahab is thinking, if God collapsed the ocean on the Egyptians so that they all drown, God can do whatever he wants. And he will do whatever it takes to rescue and redeem and fight for his people. So Rahab turns towards God in fear. 
she realizes that Yahweh, the one true God, is the only God who has any type of staying power and fighting power. I don't even know at this moment if Rahab became a monotheist, meaning if she believed that there was only one true God, or if she was still a kind of a polytheist believer who had all these different gods and she was starting to believe what, that the God of the Israelites, he's more powerful than all these other gods. I, I don't know. We don't know if she renounced all of her pagan gods right away and said, this Yahweh is the only God, but we do know that he began to take precedence, right? She's fearing God. For I have heard, verse 10, for I have heard how your Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. I've heard this story. And then look at verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There's this fear of this powerful God who's fighting for his people. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, and you'll notice that's all capital, L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. That's the name of the Lord, the name that he revealed. For the Lord, your God, he is God of heavens above and on the earth below. Rahab began to fear the one true God, this holy fear where she saw his unmatchable power. And in fear, she turned in faith. Her fear of God, her acknowledging that Yahweh, the one true God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Israelites, the God of the world, her acknowledgement of his power caused her to turn, her fear of that God caused her to turn in faith to that God. And so next thing we see, Rahab's faith. Her faith was placed in God as she trusted Yahweh, the one true God, with her own life, leaving her future in his hands. Her fear of God, her acknowledgement of Yahweh as the one true God with ultimate power caused her to place her faith in God or to step out in faith. Her faith is seen in action. You can't just say that you believe in this Yahweh and this one true God and the God of of the Christian faith and the God of the scriptures without following him. That's nonsense. If you say you believe in him, you better act on that. And that's what we see Rahab do. Her fear, she begins to fear this holy, righteous fear of God. That fear translates into faith or into action. She risked her own life. Look at 1 through 7. Joshua 2, 1 through 7. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two spies, sent two men secretly to Shittim to the spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of the prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman who had taken the two, I mean, first of all, look at the step of faith to to hide these guys. These guys are here to spy out the land, to overtake it, and word gets out to the king, and she's hiding them in her house. She's already a person who doesn't have great social standing. For one, women were looked down upon in this culture, and she was a lady of the night. She's a prostitute. And here she's risking her life. She's risking everything by hiding these spies from Israel. Her fear of God translated into faith in God. She was willing to take risk. She was willing to trust her life and the future of her life into God's hands. 
saying, if I perish, I perish, but if God saves me, he saves me. And she's learning what it looks like to trust God and to take steps of faith. Verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said to them, true, so she said to, to, so the king of Jericho is interacting with Rahab now, and he's wondering, did these men to come, come to your house? And she says, true, the men came here. I do not know where they went, or I do not know where they went from here. And when the gate was about closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way of the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Her faith caused her to trust her own life, to lie to the king of Jericho, to lie to the king of Jericho, to hide the spies, to risk her own life. Now, a lot of people will get caught up here in this passage wondering, wondering about situational ethics. Is it okay for us to, is, does this passage tell us that it's okay for us to lie to our governing authorities? This is prescriptive. I mean, it's descriptive. This is a descriptive text. It's telling us what happened. It's not a prescriptive text telling us what to do. So I just want to side note here, we can't use this passage to justify lying because we've determined whether this lie is good and acceptable and right. Okay? So it's descriptive, it's describing what's happening, it's not telling us that Christians or people who follow God get a free pass to lie to people because we would all subjectively decide what is right in our own mind. Okay? It's a descriptive passage. However, I think there's a principle in this passage for us. We serve God over and above all others. We serve God, not man. So if government or if the world would directly contradict God's revealed will, we side with God in his revealed will. Okay, so the king of Jericho is looking for these spies. God's plan is for these spies to, to spy out the land and to overtake Jericho the king of Jericho is looking for them. Rahab's caught in the middle. Okay, the government of man is asking me, and Yahweh, the true God, is giving me this opportunity. Who am I going to side with? Man or God? She sides with God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. I love this passage. It tells us, honor the emperor, but fear God. So if the two are incompatible, what do we do? We fear God. We follow God, not man. We follow God, not government. That's a side note. I don't want to get caught up in that point because that's not the point of the text, but I do think it's important to just notice that and to acknowledge that. Rahab's fear of God trans transitioned to faith in God. Once we understand who God is, how he works, the power that he has, what other option do we have but to step out and trust him? I mean, if this God could part the Red Sea, that his people could walk through probably nine miles through this Red Sea on dry ground and collapse it on the Egyptians so that they would all drown, Rahab has every reason to place her trust and faith in this God, believing he can preserve my life. He just preserved the life of this entire nation. He can preserve my life. And so her fear of God, her rightly understanding God, transitioned into faith. In God. And then lastly, Rahab's included. 
So fear and fear of God and faith in God includes her in God's family. The lying pagan prostitute from a minority culture is welcomed into the family of God and included in the scriptures as a hero of the faith. Isn't this incredible? And this is why I say the inclusive heart of God. People feel like God excludes certain sins or certain sinners or certain cultures or certain ideas or certain ideologies. No, what we see here in this passage is that God has a heart of inclusion. He loves mankind created in his image. His heart is for people. You and I are created in the image of God and his heart breaks over sin which separates us from him. God includes Rahab, a liar, a prostitute working for selling her body for money from a minority culture worshiping false gods. God uses her and includes her. He uses her for his glory. And he includes her in his family. Look at Joshua chapter 6. Flip over a few pages to the right, Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 through 25. So this is as the story goes on. This is, if you remember the story, Israel's called to march around Jericho seven times and the city walls fall. Everyone dies, Rahab is spared. Look at verse 22. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. Remember, her condition with them was, okay, w- w- would you save me and my family? I just, I just risked my own life. I fear your God. I placed my faith in him by hiding you. Would you save me and my family? Verse 23. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all of her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of God. But Rahab the prostitute. The Bible doesn't skirt around her her identity as the world saw her. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out the land. We see God's incredible heart of inclusion here. He saves Rahab and her family because Rahab feared God and put her faith in God. That's the, that's the exclusive path. Anyone, everyone welcomed into the family of God, the presence of God, through fear and faith. And then we see Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Rahab is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab is like 32 generations removed from Jesus as a mother in the line of Jesus. Incredible? Rahab, the pagan prostitute, is actually in the lineage of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. And then as we heard read this morning from Hebrews chapter 11, she's included in Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 11 is making a point that all of these people had an incredible faith which you and I ought to imitate and Rahab the prostitute is mentioned there. Do you hear God's incredible heart of inclusion? His heart is for people. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you may feel, God is for you and he wants to welcome you into his presence, into his family on the condition that you fear him 
and you place your faith in him. You trust him. You follow him. So what about us? Rahab feared God. She had faith in God. And as a result, God included her in his family. What about us? Well, I think it's the same. Our fear. In order for us to be included in God's family, we must have a holy fear of God, this reverence, this respect, believing him to be the one true God. And this is a process. I mean, for Rahab, we don't, we don't know if she renounced all of her pagan gods right away, but she began to believe that Yahweh, this God of the Israelites, the God of the Bible, the one true God, that he had a power unmatchable by any other gods. She began to fear him. And so for us to be included in God's family, we likewise must fear God. I love one of the songs that we sang this morning. I didn't know we were going to sing the song, but I jotted down the lyrics as we were singing. It said, um, I can't read my own handwriting. What, what does it say? Trembles and fears, yet ever trusts and loves. It, in the song, it, it, it's saying and it said that we would approach God with trembling and fear, yet trust and love. This is, the, this is the mysterious relationship that we have with God. He's holy other. He's powerful. It's like standing on a mountain or looking at an ocean. You just feel this majesty, this awe. That's the kind of fear that we have towards God, not a fear that he's going to punish us. In fact, in a couple weeks, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, which tells us that God doesn't punish his kids. He disciplines his kids for our growth and our good. But God has ultimate power. And so we approach God with fear, a holy reverence and respect and awe for who this God is. Listen to what the scriptures say about fear. And this, these are just a few. There's so many passages that talk about fearing God. But Proverbs Chapter 7, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to be included in God's family, be near him, fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. So much of our world, so many people in our world, in our culture, are living life without confidence just unsure about everything. Anxiety rules the day. And here this passage says, in the fear of the Lord, you can have confidence. And your children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Do you feel the snares of death? Fear the Lord and receive the fountain of life. Proverbs 9.23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Proverbs 29, 20, 20, 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. The fear of man is like a snare. It's waiting to trap us. But whoever trusts the Lord is safe. Psalm 33, 8, 9, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's the kind of fear that we're talking about. Let all the earth, all that he's created, all that he's made, all that he's set in motion, fear him, stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. This is the God who created everything. Fear him. And Hebrews 12, 28 says, Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is why we fear God, because he has the kind of power where he can create a kingdom that's unshakable. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship 
with reverence and awe, or that word can also be translated as fear. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, or reverence and fear, for our God is a consuming fire. To be included in God's family, we turn to him in fear. We turn away from the fear of man, the fear of circumstance, and we turn to God and say, he's the only one that's worthy of my fear. I fear you. And our fear then leads us to faith. To be included in God, just like Rahab, as we fear God, we need to place our faith in him. To be included in God's family, we must trust him with our lives, receiving as Lord and Savior his son, Jesus Christ. As we, as we have this holy reverence and respect and fear of God, we need to turn to him in faith and do what he tells us to do. What does he tell us to do to be saved? Not to clean ourselves up, not to become more moral, not to become more obedient, not to attend church more, He tells us to turn to him in faith and trust his son, Jesus Christ. Trust what Jesus has done. Rahab turned to him in faith and simply hid the spies. We turn to him in faith and we receive his son, Jesus Christ. The story of Rahab is Old Testament, but New Testament faith, here's what it is. It's to believe that Jesus is the exclusive way to God. God has an inclusive heart. He's an inclusive being, and he has an exclusive way, Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's to believe, the New Testament faith is to believe that Jesus is for all the nations. He told us in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. His heart is for all cultures, all peoples. New Testament faith is to trust Jesus' finished work on the cross, not trust your own religious work for him. So trust what he did for you, not what you can do for him. Listen to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not that whoever cleans their life up and is a good Christian. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever steps out in faith trusting him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't be fooled thinking that you can work your way into the kingdom of God. And then New Testament faith is to confess, to believe. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 13 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Do you hear God's inclusive heart in there? That inclusive message. Everyone who calls, what? The exclusive path on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. Fear of God and faith in his son Jesus are a way that All peoples can be accepted by God the Father. We come to him in a holy fear, a reverence. We we exchange the fear of man and the fear of circumstance for the fear of the holy God. And isn't that a good thing? The world is terrifying. There's so much chaos. There's so much out of your control. You can't control the world. That's why we all live in fear, because we know that the world is too big and daunting for us to control. So exchange the fear of the world, the fear of man, the fear of circumstance for the fear of God, the one who made the world and controls all things. And then come in faith, trusting what God has done for you in his son, 
Jesus Christ. And when you do that, just like Rahab, we are included. Listen to John 1.12. To all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you fear God above all others and place your faith in him, you're included in God's family. And I, and I love the word here, the right. The Greek word is exosia. It means authority. He doesn't even say privilege. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the privilege to enter the family. No, it's saying that if you've believed in him and you've placed your faith in him, he's done a work in you, and now this is your position. If you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a right to the kingdom of God. The inheritance that is waiting for you is yours. You have a right to it because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And he calls you son. He calls you daughter. He doesn't take that back. He doesn't go back on his word. God is inclusively welcoming you to himself for all of eternity as you fear him and as you put your faith in him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All who believe and receive enter in. That's our God. That's our truth. Let it speak to you this morning. We're going to respond to this with a, with a song titled Sons and Daughters. I want you to remember this verse here that we're closing with. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been included in his family and you need to be reminded of that identity because the world is pulling us back day after day, causing us to try and find our identity and who we are, what people think we are. The only thing that matters is who God says we are, children of his in Jesus Christ. And if you've never believed and received, I encourage you to search your heart now and ask yourself why and ask the Lord to open your eyes to receive him. And if you do, we welcome you to the table. There's communion stations up front and one in the back. And as we sing, just let this be a time for you and the Lord to respond and to interact with one another. Thinking about your identity in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done on our behalf. In the Old Testament, a lot of people feared God because they didn't know his plan of salvation. There was a holy in awe-filled respect and reverence and fear of God in the Old Testament, but there's also this trembling because they didn't understand the plan of salvation. Lord, we don't need to approach you in that way. We approach you with respect and awe. But we need not tremble because Jesus has worked on our behalf. And God the Father opens his arms and welcomes us in as we believe you and as we step out in faith. So God, I pray that you would just massage into our souls now the gospel identity that we have in you. We've been welcomed, we've been included through Jesus. I pray that you would help us, anyone here in this room, to try and to get into your family through any other means, for there is no other way to God except through Jesus. So those of us who have received you, yet we work ourselves into a spiritual frenzy trying to work for your favor, would you remind us now that we have your favor? For those of us who haven't received you, I pray that you would soften our hearts to fear you and put our faith in you for the very first time. Nourish us now, Lord Jesus, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.